Welcome to Return to Oswald. My name is Derek. As always, I'm joined by Brandon and Scar. Um, Scar, how you doing? I'm good, man. Finally got the internet up at the crib. And Finally out the motherfucking CPT. About the other yeah. cities and shit. Sorry. So I finally got a chance to like, you know, play something and like watch shit. And but I mean, it's only been a day. It shit got installed yesterday. But um, yeah, I feel yeah, like, like it's, I finally got a chance to play something. Yeah, because like I've been I've been stuck playing NBA Live on my PlayStation, and I rarely, if ever, use my PlayStation. But you but, like NBA Live, so don't act, don't play. Yeah, but I don't. But like my my all my good stuff in, is on the Xbox. But because I game share with my daughter, I can't use my Xbox really if I don't have internet connection. Mm. And Brandon is uh, feeling completely under the weather. This dude's laid up in bed like Ferris Bueller at the <laughs> at the beginning of Ferris Bueller's day off, looking like he about to die. Full gonna pop out fully dressed and start dancing and shit. Brandon, what's going on with you? I like this episode thematically. It was like the story of two different types of people in Oz. Mm-hmm. It's like some people fuck up and then they real they come to they figure out that they fucked up and they're like introspective. And then other people just keep doubling down and doubling and doubling and tripling and quadrupling down. And those people are, are gonna end up with a brutal death. And so this episode was called US Mail. Um M-A-L-E. Um and I enjoyed it. I really did. I thought that there were some good comeuppances that happened in this episode, um, and and it had a quick, a good, quick pace. Um, but holy shit, and I do mean holy. Uh, the very first thing we find out is that the leader of the Christian group is a child killing sniper. Yes, William Cudney, convicted February tenth, nineteen ninety nine, murder in the first degree, sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. His significant other got an abortion without telling him. So he went and murdered the doctor who performed the abortion's son, who was only yes. a little a little baby himself. And he said, now the doctor knows how he feels because he killed my baby, so I killed his. And that's just damn. Yeah. It'd be the Christians, y'all. <laughs> that's sociopath logic. Right? <laughs> First of all, this this episode, um, now there was no commentary for this episode on the DVD, but I did notice that this episode was directed by Steve Buscemi. Mm. Okay, that's dope. Um, I want to point out the fact that at no point, and, and so he has gone from being the Christian leader to just being the epitome of, of, of white men in America today um because at no point did he really have a say in whether or not his his significant other should be getting an abortion and obviously she didn't want the baby and he was probably abusing her you know to get her to keep the baby so she snuck off and got an abortion so this dude decides that because she got an abortion it is a sin but it's not it, it's a worse sin than the sin that he committed, which in his mind was just simply an eye for an eye. 
I'm just when when looking at these episodes, I really just have the thought like, yo, nothing has changed. Like nothing has changed. Like that, what his his situation is something you can easily say could happen today. It does happen today. Um, hold on one second. I really didn't want to have to do this, but um, y'all. If we type in murders at abortion clinics, it'll probably bring in abortion clinics and say that those are the murders. But they used to be bombing clinics and all that kind of stuff. That yeah. that that's happened throughout the '90s. It happened. There was a Planned Parenthood shooting in uh, 2015 in Colorado Springs, Colorado. There, there. What used to be this group that occasionally um, in Newport News when you're just driving down one of the, the big um, streets in Newport News, there used to be this group that used to always be in a certain area. And what they would do is they would hold up pictures of what it's supposed to look like once they tear up the babies mm -hmm. during abortions. And it would just be a whole bunch of those pictures in like big ass poster boards of what this what this looks like after an abortion. I remember there was a group of people who were outside of Gogo school, Gogo and Triple School when they were in like sixth and seventh grade. And they had pictures of what aborted fetuses looked like. And they were trying to give aborted like I don't know who makes these, but dolls that look like aborted fetuses they were trying to give them to the girls but not the boys because the boys you know they have nothing to do with you having to get an abortion it's not like you know they should know about safe sex or anything like that or but they were just giving them to the girls That's and gogo i remember her principal because it was a, a elementary school and a middle school but they're on the same campus i remember the principal came out there and i've never heard her cuss as much what the fuck do you think you're doing in front of these little kids? Get the fuck off my campus. I told you about this shit. And they called the cops on them. Absolutely. But in that moment, in that moment, they were showing what their mindset was, which is we are not afraid to scar children, um, but we are not placing the blame of this on the men. We are placing the blame for this directly on the girls. And so we want to stop this at a very young age. So the thing you know, when you walk into a clinic, you are you are committing murder and you are sinning against God. Uh, one of the things that I just saw, um, and we won't, well, you know, you know how we do. Um, since 1977, 40 years, since 1977, so this is from 77 to 2017, there were eight murders, 17 attempted murders, 42 bombings, and 186 arsons targeted at abortion clinics and providers across the United States. Since a lot of y'all who are listening to this show may not, uh, you know, I don't know if y'all are right wing, left wing, whatever you may be, but I just want to point out that Planned Parenthood also does other things, pap smears, check for cancer, actually give prophylactics and the pill so then people could practice asex. I don't know. They don't hear you. They don't, they don't, they don't hear me though. They don't want to hear you. 
No. I, I, I look, I'm, I'm not, I'm not one of those people that is like, yay abortion. I, I, but I damn sure know that it's not, it's not up to me. Yep. And I don't have nothing to do. I don't have nothing to do with that, that choice. But um, at the same time, I feel you. But at the same time, you do have the choice to wear a condom. Yeah. Once the once the once the child is conceived, you can't force her to do nothing she don't want to do. Yeah. But at the same time, it's fucked up that the oh, that the folks who are anti-abortion are targeting women directly to try and scar them into making that decision from a very young age. Um, after Cyril, after uh, Ryan gets up and walks away because he's looking at, I've never seen Ryan look at anybody like they're the devil before. But yeah. he's looking at cut and you're like, ooh, that's nasty. So he gets up and he walks away. Um, that's how you know you fucked up if you turn him off. Right? Maybe his person in there. <laughs> and so then Cyril um, has asked Ryan, what's an abortion? And Ryan tells him as gently as possible, which I thought this was overall between Ryan and Cyril, it was a really gentle scene. He's like, well, an abortion is when a baby goes to heaven before they're born. And Cyril's like, oh, okay. So Ryan gets up and walks away. And Cyril asks Cutney what Cutney was going to say to the doctor's son when Cutney got to heaven. Because he just assumes that because Cutney's a Christian, he's going to heaven. Um, I've never really subscribed to that idea. Especially if, you know, I don't know. Forgiveness of sins, me personally, and, you know, Christian, Baptist. Forgiveness of sins to me, just seems like something that people made up in order to feel better about fucking up over and over again. If God forgave me, why can't you? Yeah. But and and also like people to absolve themselves from their wrongdoing. Mm-hmm. The, the 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 Tupac wannabe only God can judge me crowd. Yes. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> also, I want to point out uh and all hate mail for this one could be sent to uh Rashani at <laughs> like I'm gonna give you my real email address.com. If God forgave you for your sins, then he wouldn't have a book. So Cyril asked the doctor what he's gonna or Cyril asked Cutney what he's gonna say to the doctor son when he got to heaven. And Cyril says some real shit. He's like, I already know what I'm gonna say to Dr. Nathan's husband. If they let me in. Shit. Somehow Cutney switches this over to talking to Cyril about boxing and how Christians don't box. <laughs> and so Cyril goes to the gym where Ryan's waiting for him. He's like, I don't want to box. And Ryan's like, not this shit again. And Cyril's like, no, I don't want to box at all. Mr. Cutney said, I don't have to box anymore. He said, so, God doesn't want me to box. So, so Ryan uh, has a really good use for that book. <laughs> Ryan tells Cyril that he's not mad. And in fact, going forward, he should always listen to what Mr. Cutney says. And then he goes to Cutney's Bible study and beats his ass with a Bible. <laughs> yes. That ass whipping was double, though, because some of that rage was hearing that story. Yes, very much so. Very much so. Plus, them books are heavy. 
he got beat down with a Bible and you got beat down with that was that was a righteous fury right there. I, um, I just wish it would I, that look, I, I you, we know those books are heavy, but I just wish it was one of those books that grandma had. You know the one that I mean? sits on the front table? The one the one with the white cover. You yeah. know what I mean? Like that. Yeah, big, the one with the gold embossed. <laughs> Yes, the and, that, and that 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 nice little gold uh, thread bookmark, <laughs> and the and the the sides of the pages is gold for some reason. Mm -hmm. Like you know, that, you that know one. the the real OG grandma Bible is the one with all of that, but then it also has the letters on the side, so that you can go or the the little tabs on the side where you can go to the books of the Bible. So it Not has. Enough. Ain't, yes. no tabs, ain't no tabs in Grandma Bible. Grandma know exactly where she going. Yeah, but you ain't seen... Oh, never mind. You're right. You're right. I'm thinking grandma, about dictionaries. Yeah, Grandma know exactly where she going. Uh, like she, don't need no, she don't need no tabs. Grandma and don't need no tabs. exactly where your first uh, significant other's going to. Yeah, Straight I to just, hell. Grandma, grandma knows exactly what page Deuteronomy starts. You know what I mean? <laughs> Meanwhile, you still you still spelling Deuteronomy like doo doo. <laughs> exactly. I don't but, even know how to spell it, but you know, she know where it is. She but Ryan went to um and told um Cutney that you better convince Cyril to box again, and then you better not ever speak to Cyril again. And then he's like, you know what? Can I take this Bible with me? Because I kind of like it. <laughs> the thing is, he said, I never had, he said, I never had a real use for this before. But I might now. But the thing is, Cutney doesn't have enough juice to be fucking with other people like that. I don't think that it was a, I don't think that he did it as if like, you know, he went to him specifically and said these things. It's just like, that's how he is. They were having a conversation. It may have came up during the conversation. You know what I mean? He doesn't seem like the type that would have forced, just forced his beliefs on Cyril. Really? He's a Christian. I don't, I don't but I don't think no, so. No, seriously, because you don't the think they would have written that in there that he just couldn't stay in his lane because he's a Christian and Christians are always popping up with let me tell you about the I mean, son. But that's Christ. how they that's how they wrote it. But like how how I saw that conversation happening was very much just a continuation of the conversation they were already having. I just don't see how it would delve into that lane though. Maybe I don't know. But He's, he's he's a child killer. More than that, he's a child killer. So he should just stay quiet rather than draw people's attention onto him because he's a child killer. It was justified. According right. to him. Oh, or yeah. No, fuck him. Mm -mm. Nah. So next thing that happens is that Ryan goes and talks to Bricks. <laughs> Ryan goes and talks to Bricks, who's scoping, off, who's scoping out his competition for the next fight. No, no, you didn't mention that he actually called him Bricks. And he was like, yeah. see, you're the only one that gets this right. <laughs> Ryan warns him that Hamid is diesel as fuck and that he works out in the gym daily. Bricks hears that and decides to go get high. <laughs> he said he's like Mike Tyson. He parties and then he fights and then he parties some more. Yeah, Mike Tyson was something different. Has Meanwhile, Bricks ever made a good decision in us since we've seen him? No. I don't think no, he's and if I saw Hamid, I would fake like I was dead. Yeah. Once that kufi come off, I'm 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 out. Hamid plans to win in the name of Allah. Ryan bet big on him, and then he went and thought about doping up Bricks' water. 
he decided against it because <laughs> seriously why? <laughs> why would i do that he decided that before this fight he was gonna go do heroin you know what i don't need this now if he was doing cocaine maybe oh my god and when they did that initially i was like oh man khan's gonna actually lose and he's gonna be like damn i should have just drugged up his water but nope uh, at the fight, Beecher's with Andrew, and Schillinger sees that. And then after that, Schillinger witnesses a murder because Bricks is skinny as fuck. Yes. And there's no way that this fight should have ever happened. Yeah, it looked like the episode of Martin. Right? It looked like the uh, Fresh Prince video, I think I could beat Mike Tyson. <laughs> so, All of the above. So at least every other fight, no matter what, every other fight, we're near the same weight classes. Kenny looks like an 18 year old and Khan looks like a boxer. <laughs> and Kenny got two hits in and thought he was putting in work and then he got molly whopped. Yeah, that was not fair. I laughed my ass off. And so because Bricks lost to Khan, I'm laughing through this whole thing. I'm sorry. Because Bricks O'Reilly lost to Khan. What say, Brendan? O'Reilly is somebody you need on your side. Because he get all these bets right, even if he cheats and when he don't cheat. Yeah, true. I, be, I was at eyes. I'd be like, who's O'Reilly betting on? I'm betting on them too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But well, because, who, who the fuck would have bet? Who the fuck would have bet for Kenny in this? Kenny. It's, his name is Bricks. Who the fuck would have bet for Kenny in this? Like he damn he damn sure looked like a Kenny in that ring. Like <laughs> you killed Kenny. <laughs> exactly. You bastard. <laughs> that bastard killed the fuck out of Kenny. Oh my god, it was a murder. Have you seen a murder? <laughs> hey, y'all want to see a dead body? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That nigga got lifted off his feet like there's this video game um, called Ring King. Came out for the Nintendo like back in the 80s. And niggas used to always try and beat the person they were fighting against up against the ropes because you could do an uppercut that would take them off their feet and they fly over the ropes and out the ring. That's how Kenny got beat up. Yep. Kenny got beat up so bad I thought he was dead. (laughs) Um... And so he was so mad that he got beat up that he decided that all of the Muslims, it's all of their fault for him getting beat up. So in Kenny, whole wisdom, he decided to have, uh, he decided to have Poet drop some lines. Poet decides to drop some lines directly at Saeed. Poetry. But I got inspired by something I saw the other day. So this poem right here is dedicated to Minister Kareem Saeed. And you saw how Saeed smiled during this? Yeah, he tried to look all beatifully or beautifully. What is it? B-E-A-T-I. You know what? But then while he's talking, he's like, oh, he ain't, he ain't really, he ain't really being nice to me with these lines. Hold on, let me go ahead and... Beatify. Beatifully. He's smiling all beatifully. 
Scar, you can't make fun of me anymore about not how not how to say words and shit. I've been practicing. Apparently so. Shut up. So then when he heard them lyrics, though, this was the poem version of Hit Em Up. That's it. I figured you easy. All you want to do is get your palm greasy. Capitalize. See, fucking America been in your eyes for more than 450 years. And now you want to hide your tear in your so-called Allah-given mission to help your brothers. Well, Allah gave me vision, and I'm going to tell all the others. Talking about revolution. What I saw, that was revelation. You frolicking with the devil's maiden. <laughs> and now you happy, because now you can manipulate her thing. Well, I'm gonna put you on to something while we locked up in here in this clink. While you trying to get us all to the heaven above, when she forget about your contradictorial ass, <laughs> make sure you hide them bloody gloves. God damn it. When she break your heart, don't go OJ on the white woman. Oh, that's what that was? Yeah, the, the bloody gloves, OJ. <laughs> When she when she break you down, don't 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 do that. Don't go OJ. Um, I just you know, poet had been the last episode. He was like, you know what? I'm gonna do my next poem, and I'm gonna po I'm gonna dedicate it to you. That was before he knew about him and Trisha. Then he saw him and Trisha in the uh, in that, that was the very and that was the in court in the show. That was the very next scene. Mm-hmm. So he's been holding on to this for a little while now. But he said he was going to write the poem to him. But I mean obviously he told obviously he told the rest of the niggas because they knew what was about to happen. Yeah, they had to. Otherwise, why the fuck would Brick say, "Hey, poet, go do a rhyme. I'm going to let my outlaws take care of this." Like <laughs> they don't they don't they don't hide <laughs> nothing from each other, apparently. They tell each other all their secrets. That nigga Bricks got his ass whooped so bad, he was like, we gonna let the band deal with this. <laughs> <laughs> but he didn't say shit to Hamid. Didn't say shit to Khan, just to Saeed. And so Saeed all of a sudden wants to hop up and get in Poet's face and shit like that. But Poet's like, I don't give a fuck. Like, what you gonna do? But the Muslims, yeah, them niggas is like, yo, you done got us embarrassed. Choose, bitch. This has gone from a private humiliation to a public one. You disgrace us all. You have a choice, Saeed. Her or us. You either promise to never see that woman again, or you are finished. Finished. We'll choose someone else to lead. My question is, who was in charge before he got there? Right. Because he got there during the show. All y'all was already there. With the but they weren't organized. I mean, they were organized enough to be, you know, they were doing their prayers and all that kind of stuff. They were still, they had some sort of organization. 
Nah, he was like, I'm going to organize my brothers. And then he started organizing them because at that point in time, he wasn't um, in love with white women. Exactly. But then, you know, they're like, you choose either us or her. And so he goes to see her again. And Trisha Ross tells him that she's That's been true getting- love. That's true love right there. True Is love. It? I mean, let's be real. I mean, even though his sister was like, you can, you know, you don't need to have more than two visits to know true love. Is it is it true love or is it lust? And also, why is Trisha so engaged in this? I can understand why Saeed is so engaged. I can. He's locked up. There's a woman who's giving him attention. And uh, he likes white women. Somebody put her on the black at some point. Right? Does thinking ass guy Ross know about that? Because her her brother was a straight up racist. Yep. So um I think that his infatuation isn't genuine. And the way that I know that is because um at the end of the scene, we'll talk about it in a second, but he goes to see her again and she tells him that she's been getting threatening phone calls telling her to stay away from him. Which, how the fuck did anybody else get her number? Well, he asked that question, right? They got all types of resources and eyes. Nigga, please, I, I didn't mean, even know her name. They do know her name. Who she knows was, her she name? Was a, she was a part of the, the lawsuit. So of course Arif though, and Hamid know her name. Why, yeah. how, how would they not be able to find out? I don't know. It just it doesn't make sense to me how this all came together. Like, how did anybody? How why would anybody care enough to get her number to call her and threaten her over the phone? Hey, you, hey, bitch. You hey, know, bitch. Arif, you know, Reef made those fucking phone calls. Hey, bitch. You better stay the fuck away from my man, Saeed. You know, Arif made all them phone calls. He 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 was not Arif was not going to trust nobody else but him to make those phone calls, and he did that shit. Him, that white woman is corrupting their minister. By the way, they want to set that straight. By the way, bitch, I'm Buddhist. I am not a Muslim. <laughs> you better stop fucking with my man Saeed. Or I worship. Else, <laughs> I'm a I'm a prey to Confucius. No, nah, it just look, man. You know, I worship that booty. I'm a Buddhist. You know, I worship I'm that a booty. <laughs> yeah, I'm, a, I'm a Buddhist. I worship that booty. So that that got to me. Like, how did anybody get her number? But she saved the tape from the machine, and she gave it to him. She said how she was, changed her number. Huh? How how was he supposed to play that tape? The no one knows. Oh. But the thing is, in a second, we're gonna see this at. Uh, Saeed isn't the smartest dude in the world. Uh, she said that she changed her number, but she can't move away. Uh, Saeed said he's going to talk to Zelman, his the lawyer running the case. And she said that she doesn't want to stay away from him and that he doesn't want to stay away from her. So they both decide, fuck him. And then they hug. And Saeed takes a deep sniff of her hair. And that's how I know that he's just holding in memories to get him through being in jail. Yeah, she might the, be feeling something. She might be feeling something, but what he's feeling isn't actually there. That's what you do with people you love. You sniff you Randy's in, hair. If you was in jail for a long time and used to come to visit you, I hope you're gonna want to remember that. Hell no. I mean, black woman used so for eight. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> 
I'm just saying, like that nigga, he's this is literally the definition of risk it all. Yes. He's, he um, put, he's putting it all on the line right now. But Saeed comes back and tells Arif and Hamid, Saeed comes back with another Muslim that we never find the name of. So we're going to call him. We're not. So Pray he comes man. Back, we call him Pray Man. Pray Man. So we got Say Man 3 and Pray Man 1 so far. Um, but he comes back to them and tells them that whoever threatened Trisha is going to pay. Hear what I say, okay? He says they're going to pay whether in this life or the next. Um, so I guess that means that he chose her then. And then this nigga could have taken the tape to Warden Glenn or, or to McManus who have who could buy an answering machine and would be able to hear the voice. Or one of those little tape recorders. They probably or one of them little tape recorders. But instead, this nigga throws the tape up against the wall and breaks it. So now there's no evidence. That's because he already know who did it. He, he went straight to Arif. We know Arif made those calls. Yeah, but he don't know no fact because he ain't listened to the tape. He just assuming it could have been Schillinger. Nah. Schillinger's mad at him because of when he left him in the dust over there in the courtroom. I'm just saying, we. it's probably Arif. It probably is Arif. But at the same time, come on, dude. Schillinger could easily do this to sow discontent between him and his brothers. I mean, Schillinger could have made those calls, 100%. But Schillinger is not going to waste no more time on this than he absolutely has to. He already, everything between him and the minister is done over with. So, like, I'm not saying it was a reef, but I understand. Like, it makes no sense that it's, <laughs> it, it, it doesn't make any sense that it's anybody else. A reef is the one that's the most upset about all of this. Schillinger really preoccupied. Is. He got a lot on his mind. It really is like, dude. I went back to jail for you, and this how you treat me. I gave up a pardon for you. No, you took my pardon, but pardon that. So next thing that happens is that Saeed is splashing water on his face uh, when he hears a furious scrubbing noise at the sink next to his. Nigga, Whew. like a furious. He looks over and he sees Ryan scrubbing his arm bloody with like a sponge that's like a scouring pad. And it's just like, oh my God. And he's, it's a, it's not a small spot. It's from his four, it's his forearm down to his wrist. It's scrubbed bloody. And he said he had his wife's name tattooed on his arm, but now that they aren't together anymore, he's taking it off. Then he said that he still loves Gloria and he tried to fight it, but he can't. She's under his skin. As he's scrubbing his skin away, she's under my skin. Just Perfect. like Trisha's under Saeed's. And the fact, that, the fact that the matter is, he's like scrubbing himself and he is bleeding. Mm -hmm. And he looks like, and he's just like delirious. He's not even like wincing from the pain. He's just kind of like, you know, I love her. And um, I just want to, you know, like he was just kind of like, it was almost like he was just not there. Like, like Ryan was not home mm -hmm. while this was occurring. I love her, man. She drives me crazy. Like no one else. Now, I believe that Ryan believes that. I believe that Ryan believes that, I should say. I think, I think Ryan believes that this is the way that he shows his love. 
Mm-hmm. And I do believe that he feels something for her. But like, bro, you are you are gone. So Adabisi is talking with Chico and El Cid. Um, and he wants to uh, make the deaths of Poet, Bricks, and Pierce look like an accident. He says he'll take care of Bricks personally. Then we cut away to Bricks, who's talking with Poet and Pierce over to the side. And McManus comes over to talk to him to tell him that his wife is dead. Uh, and that she was shot execution style. Um, I just want to say that this acting is absolutely great work by uh, by Bricks because it takes a lot of hard work for an actually good actor to act this poorly. Yes. When you find out that somebody just killed your baby mama. Kenny. Bricks, damn. Bricks, man. To talk to you. What? It's bad news. Your wife's dead. What? She was shot, execution style. Oh, shit. It's too bad, yo. Real sorrowful, Cam. Real sorrowful. There's more. What? She was found in the apartment with another man, a Ronnie Smith. Oh, damn. Ronnie, how's my boy? They were found in bed together. Look, I've uh, scheduled some time for you to see Sister Peter Marie. Baby, how's my son? He's fine. He was at your mother's at the time. Amen. God. Anything I can do? Nah, nah. Uh, uh, Look, do the cops know who did this shit? (laughs) They think it was drug-related. Can I go to the funeral? I'll see what I can do. Gave him this face. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But uh, you wanted that bitch dead, and that nigga Ronnie dead, not a day. Mm-hmm. Hell Who yeah. loves you, baby? Y'all do, yo. All Fuck right. that. Handle it, right? Let's go get high. Let's do this. You know, I'm like, who? Like, they were still in the open when they broke. Right. When they he broke wasn't. All, he wasn't out of the area when they broke down laughing. When they broke character, he he was still not that far away. And like, who else was around them? Like, nobody there witnessed them break character and basically say, you know, he just said it. Like, when you wanted them dead, they dead. Like, you know, he just, he basically, you who know. Who loves you, baby? He, put, he basically put them, Poet basically put it all out there. Mm-hmm. And no one was around to witness this. They was this was all out in the fucking open. Everybody hears everything when they need them to hear, but they don't never hear it when it needs to be heard. Like that nigga 
wasn't quiet when he busted out laughing. That would have drawn somebody's attention. It would have drawn somebody's attention to find out that his wife got murdered. Exactly. So I think that McManus is going to be pissed the fuck off when he finds out what really happened. But yeah. I mean, it it, don't, it sucks that, that McManus is going to find out what happened. That they, they None of them niggas can hold water. No, no. And McManus is such a nice guy until he finds out he was taken advantage of. And then... This time it wasn't hard to What'd you say, Brandon? Hello? I say nothing. Oh. Um, I say nothing. But, yeah, nah... It, when McManus finds out that he was taken advantage of, he has a tendency to become very petty very quickly. Yes. Unfortunately, he's not going to get a chance to be petty against two of them niggas because when Bricks went to the funeral, Adebisi saw an opportunity. Um, also, Carlos is back. Uh, Adebisi has the Latino snatch poet and pierce up from behind and put them on the ground. I think they choked them until they passed out. Laid them both on the ground. In the kitchen, right underneath the vat of burning hot liquid that Adabisi pours on top of both of them niggas. Yeah, they they, they got hit with the soup. You know, they got hit with the soup, and it was a vat of soup. A vat of soup with a fucking spout. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're, not, they're not coming back from that. No. Them niggas were in the ward with their skin peeling off. Pierce's hair was gone, fam. And of course, nobody saw a thing. <laughs> when Bricks got back from the from the funeral, everybody's laughing at him. He's walking through one or whatever. What was so funny? Maybe they laughed at my clothes or whatever. But he goes into his pod and he notices that everybody's on lockdown. So he asked Junior, his cellmate, why everybody's on lockdown. But Junior doesn't answer, and Junior has a blanket pulled up over his head. So Brick shakes Junior's bunk and asks again why everybody's on lockdown. Except it ain't Junior. It's out of BC, who's moved back into his pod, shaving his head, and put that beanie back on. He brought the old Kanye back like, yo. (laughs) Duh. He went 100% pure old Kanye. Like he was, he was, he looked like he looked like how it was before he, you know, because like you said, he shaved his head and all that kind of stuff. But you know, his head was growing out, and he had a fucking a, a fork in it all the time for some reason. Uh, I guess, I guess they they out of the million things they can get in there, they can't get a pick, um, not even a plastic pick. Uh, like what's going on, dog? Like I get it, they want to have the the metal uh, pick with the black fist, but like yo. My man went 100% old Kanye. He had to look in his eyes and everything. And then on top of all that, this nigga wasn't bricks no more when that nigga said, Welcome back, Kenny. Like, you might have thought you was somebody before, but welcome back, Kenny. He meant that in so many different ways. Yep. Like, all the power you thought you had, gone. You ain't bricks. You ain't nobody. But you in lockdown with me. With nobody to help you. Mm-hmm. That was a How holy shit moment. Who put him in that cell? Robert, Man, that's, that's the question. You're going to say no? That's true. 
The same way that the Nazis came and moved the mole and uh, Rebido out they cell. What, what's he going to say? No? Like, get out. Return to Oswald. We'll be back after this brief break. Do you experience digital eye strain from too much blue light exposure from digital screens? Baxter Blue Glass are not your average frames. These blue light lenses filter 80% of the highest energy blue light, eliminating 99% of glare. The past year, we've all been glued to our devices more than ever. Myself personally, I find myself getting migraines often due to the amount of time I spend looking at screens. It's not that my vision's bad or anything. It's just that me looking at that light is not healthy for me. And yet, here I am, day after day. Our exposure to digital light has soared, and our eyes and our sleep are suffering as a result. Baxter Blue is also a force for good and provides a pair of reading glasses for someone in need for every pair sold. This is eyewear built for our digital age, and Baxter Blue is giving our listeners 10% off your next purchase of blue light, sleep, or kids' glasses. Click the link in our show notes for your exclusive discount. This is the sign you've been waiting for to invest in blue light glasses. We know that you'll love your Baxters, and we know that you'll feel the difference. El Cid says, it's a pity what happened to Poet and Pierce. Uh, and then Miguel, who's his cellmate, asks if they're going to live. And on the other hand, am I going to live? El Cid said, as long as you don't snitch, we're good. You know, as long as you don't say a word, we're, we're okay. And I won't, I won't, I won't kill you. Which is, you know, it's a story. what happened to Poet and Pierce. They're going to live. For now. But you know, life is fragile, man. What about me? How you doing that program, man? You meet with uh, Rivera yet, face to face? Nah, just, you know, mostly talking to his sister, Peter Marie. About? You know, this and that. Well, Michael, as long as this doesn't connect to that, you're safe with me. Still called you Michael, dog. I want to warn you, Miguel. There's no way to predict the outcome emotionally of facing Officer Rivera or his wife. Yeah. When you blinded him, you hurt them both. And they may have no sympathy for any pain or guilt you're feeling. So why don't you tell me what you did to Eugene Rivera? You know what I did. I don't know why we gotta waste time rehashing it. We have all the time we need. And it's very important to articulate what you've done. So, when was it? Um, last summer. Why did you do it? I don't know. You know, I was all fucked up and shit. Some stuff going on. And uh, I got tense. I don't know, you know, it, it, it just, just, just happened. What just happened? What did you, Miguel Alvarez, do? Shit! I, um... cut his eyes really bad. How bad? I stabbed him. You know, I, I stabbed him. His eyes, you know? The scalpel. 
stopped it. And when it hit the floor, it made this ringing sound. Okay. Would you like to sit down? Why did you do it? I already told you already. It's because of tension and shit. No, Miguel. Why you did this. Something so deliberate. You're gonna have to tell Eugene why. And he's going to ask. I will. Then why can't you tell me? Because I don't owe it to you. Two things. One, that's the realest shit ever. I ain't gonna tell you because I don't owe it. Like, the dude feels so much guilt over this because he was forced to do it in the first place. He but I'm not gonna tell you why I did it. And then and then he and then the the the, the victim says the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. The second thing is he stabbed that nigga's eyes out the summer before. Like, how the fuck does time work here? Exactly. He gonna kill Al said. He has to. He absolutely has to. Like, there's no other way about it. But Eugene doesn't want to hear from Alvarez why he did this. He wants God to tell him why it happened. And then uh, Sister Pete is like, well, you know, maybe God sent... Alvarez for you to tell him what's going on. So go ahead and tell tell him. Alvarez ain't even in the room. The nigga tells her though that he can't cry anymore. Because of the way that uh Alvarez cut him up, he can't cry and he wished he could die just so then he could take the burden off his wife. Which is some real heartbreaking shit. Like you're a he feels like such a burden that he's just like all I think about is death. There's nothing for me here anymore. But here's my problem. Sister Peter Marie convinced him to tell her all that stuff, and he literally poured his heart out for her. Was Alvarez in the room with them when he did that confession? Is he going to have to... Um, it was the same thing she was doing with Alvarez. But it, that means he's going to have to muster up that same angst when he's talking to Alvarez, which is fucked up. Yeah. That's some real, like, if I ever got in a room, don't tell me that I'm going to get a chance to confront my attacker and be completely transparent with them. And I've been building this all up in my head for so long, and I can't see. And then you tell me, okay, he's, go ahead and tell me what you would tell him. Nah, I need to hold this anger in. This anger is what's keeping me alive right now. I'm not going to waste my shot on you. I am not throwing away my shot. Not on you. Not not for this. And so he tells her, and I was just sitting there like, damn, now he's got to go through all that all over again when he's actually in the room. Yeah, I was. I thought when, when I first saw it, I thought that possibly he was in the room and he just didn't say anything. It would have been better if he had been. Yeah, but then I realized, no, he's not in the room. 
because they they would have referenced it at some point when he or they would have they would have zoomed out so they could see him after the conversation was over just so you could see the look on his face right yeah so mcmanus has decided with the help of uh his friend sean sean michaels oh my god um to not go quietly into that good night regarding claire and the sexual harassment charge yeah, then he hits a snag. Yeah, yeah. The snag was when Dr. Nathan is like, yo, I know how he acts. I know how he gets down. Like, I don't really want to, I don't know if I want to do it. I dated Tim, you know, when I was separated. When it comes to sex and relationships, he's, I don't know. I don't know. Today, anything's possible. Pete. Oh, yeah. I'm glad you're both here. I'm, uh, <clears throat> I'm putting together my case, and I'd like you both to be character witnesses. Yeah. Thanks. Gloria? Yeah, I'll let you know. What? You don't believe Claire Howell, do you? No, I just want to talk to her, to hear her side. Her side? What the fuck is that supposed to mean? That you think what she's saying might be true? which means I'm lying, which means you think I'm capable of abusing women. No, I didn't mean- Thanks a lot, Gloria. Thanks for the vote of fucking confidence. Tim, wait a minute. Zero to 100. Real, real quick. Yeah, I told you. And, and, and I told you, every time they talk about this and they say the word fuck is always emphasized. Thanks for yeah. the vote of fucking confidence. Like True. it's- the word fuck is always emphasized for some reason. Um, but wait, I mean, wait, wait, wait. Is it always emphasized? Fuck you, guys! <laughs> really? Um, the um the thing is, like, yeah, he may not as he may not, she may not believe that he sexually assaulted her, but she damn sure believes that some assault happened because of what he did to her. I mean, this goes all the way back to was that season one where he when mm -hmm. he yoked up Dr. Nathan? Like, what do you think was gonna happen, dog? And then like when her husband dies, you'd be like, hey, so he's out the way. You wanna go out? Like he doesn't have a good track record here to survive this. And that's I think that's exactly what she was thinking about. How as soon as her husband died, he did not have any type of awareness of what was going on. So she's like, you know what? Let me talk to her and see what her side is on this because I know what your tendencies are. I know what you're prone to do, what you're pos what you're capable of being. He yelled at her about going out to dinner, remember? Yeah. I mean, he, like I said, he yoked her up. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the reason why she has pause and no one should blame her for this. Exactly. And then he's, and then he basically, basically goes to, goes to Whittlesey, who, who we haven't seen in quite some time. Mm -hmm. And he's just like, yo, I was going to fight this shit, but like, I, you know, the truth of the matter is I didn't really take any of these women seriously. Not even you. And then she looks like she keeps a stone face and like, he's just in. He, then he asked her, like, would you have would you have been a witness for me? And she said, yeah, because I thought what we had was real. 
Yep. And he's like, nope, it wasn't. And he just fucked up by saying that too. He's admitting that, you know, I don't, I don't know. He is like, a McManus, constant. He is a, in relationship, he is the constant fuck up. Mm-hmm. Two steps forward, one step back. How's Didi? She misses her grandma. So do I. We got all manner of men in here. Men who've raped women, beaten them, murdered them. Ryan O'Reilly had Gloria's husband killed because Ryan loved her so much. I remember thinking at the time, such passion. Could I ever feel such passion? Tim. You know, I was going to fight this harassment charge. I was going to ask you and Gloria to testify on my behalf, build a case, because Howell is lying. I didn't force her to do anything. Well, why not fight it? Because I am guilty of using her, her body, of not giving a shit about her, about her feelings for me, about her feelings for herself. Now I know I did the same thing to my ex-wife and to Gloria, to you. And there's the line. Hmm? Diane, if I asked you to testify on my behalf, would you have done it? Sure. Because what we had was real. If only for a moment. Soon as he said, I need to know how much I need to know how much time passed for that man to have that to be introspective in itself. Right? It looked like it was like five minutes later. He was like, damn, I fucked up. <laughs> it had to be some time passed. Nobody's that introspective. And he can't be that introspective when he's also right before that, he's throwing the books and shit off his desk, white person style. But yeah, he, for the he 90s, marsh he marshaled, marshaled, marshaled the fuck out of his own office. For, for the 90s, that's a progressive-ass move of it for him to have. That's a moment of clarity that you don't see too often in 90s men. And then he fucked it all up by breaking another woman's heart inadvertently. <laughs> oh, Yeah, she already fucked up because her mom died. And then, like, you know what I mean? Then you just drop, you just just casually say that you ain't care about her as much as she, she thought you did. Mm-hmm. So the next thing is Yuri Kazogan, uh, convicted on April 3rd, 1999, eight counts of murder in the first degree, four counts of attempted murder, illegal possession of a firearm. Sentence, 20 years. Psych. <laughs> Life without parole. <laughs> um, that nigga came out with a Uzi and just Uzied everybody. Um, he and Stanislavski are in Stanislavski's cell drinking vodka together. Um, and I guess Yuri's a made man in the Russian mob because Stan asked him straight up if he's there to kill him. <laughs> they speak. Now, the, the crazy part about it is they have a whole fucking conversation in Russian. In Russian. And they do not subtitle that shit in either either place that I watched it. I watched it on the YouTube version and I watched the on the disc version. And neither version they actually actually said what they said they didn't translate it they just have a conversation and then he goes 
are you here to kill me? And he just, he doesn't even get an answer. I mean. I mean, this motherfucker's the Terminator. Yeah. More or less. Very much so, yeah. Um, so then, you know, they got uh, Yuri uh, just going through, walking past everybody. Um, he, <laughs> Clayton, for some reason, Clayton tries to talk to this dude to tell him what he's, his job is in the library. <laughs> and Yuri's sitting there quietly. And Clayton's like, damn, man, can you hear what I'm saying? Say something, man. Oh, coward-ass, poodle-ass, coward-ass poodle. But, you know, Yuri has that effect on people when he just goes quiet and starts staring at you. It's like, ooh. Nappa extended his hand to him in friendship and recognized him as the most brutal hitter in Little Odessa. But Yuri wasn't about shaking hands. <laughs> he said he don't need his friendship. Nah. Nappa said, fine, but stay out of my boy's businesses or you won't live until the morning. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, yo, yo, y'all. <laughs> y'all so dramatic. <laughs> yeah, it's like, y'all Italians, y'all, y'all Italians doing too much. Like, calm that down. is the line. Like, Y'all Italians are so dramatic. Who so melodramatic, actually? Um, so then after that, uh, Chucky, I guess Napa still has range with Chucky, even though Chucky didn't want him kissing him on the cheek. And so Chucky told Stan to rein Yuri in. Stan looked at Chucky and said, Yuri ain't my friend. Yuri's from here. He's Chechnyan. I'm this kind. He'd kill you and cut your heart out and eat it, and he wouldn't think twice about it. Yeah, that, that seems pretty accurate. And Chucky hears all that, and he's like, yeah, you tell him anyway. Like, did you not just hear what I said? Like, I'm not talking to that dude. You get your guts up and go talk to him. You the fighter, the dancer. So <laughs> nobody talks to him. Nope. After that, Miss, uh, they're watching Miss Sally. Um, Boost Malice got sent a autographed picture from Miss Sally, and she also sent him a letter. Uh, and Keller's sitting there listening to the letter and making sure to just bust up all his hopes and dreams because, goddamn, Keller, why you got to be a killer, Keller? Um, then after that, hey, Boost Malice, I wrote Miss Sally a fan letter. Oh my God! Look! Wow! Fucking things autographed. They're fake. What? <laughs> They're fake, the autographs <laughs> come by machine. How do you know that? All right, Miss Sally's may be real, but not the puppets, especially not Nudah. Why not? He's got no hands. That nigga's just a hater. <laughs> Cyril says we should write her another level letter and ask her to come to Oz. Like, nigga, we are not putting her in danger like that. But Boost Mollis, who's pumped up off her replying to his letter, he was like, I'm going to get on that right now. Then I'm going to rush to this real quick. Excuse me for just one second. <clears throat> Carlos went to see his family again. I thought this shit was over. Now it's just his sister and his brother. His dad had a stroke. They still brought the fruit basket, though. I don't know. Why do we care about this? I don't really do care. And then, hold on, there's more. And then they always have Carlos and Clayton scenes back to back, which is great because I don't have to deal with their bullshit as long. Clayton is in the lunchroom with a cigarette hanging from his lips. Uh, when Leo comes in and asks him why Silla work, 
Clayton says he wants to know where his father died at, and he demands Leo shows him, so Leo does. He gives him a walkthrough of where it happens, and they have a flashback. Clayton reaches down and touches the hollow space and, and says, I wonder if the guy who killed my dad is still alive and odd. Fuck you, dad! So then he goes and asks fucking Ribado if he remembers his dad getting killed 17 years ago. Ribado looks up and realizes that he's talking to a fucking CO, and he smartly says, I don't remember. Clayton uh, tells him his I mean, name, and he was like, "Oh, yeah, your dad. I don't, I don't, I don't know. There was a lot of murders between those times." And so Clayton fucking hems, gets mad, and snatches up uh, Rebido's book and starts threatening him. When Father Ray sees him do it, it's like, "Bruh, like you, you really out here yoking up old men, dog? You really out here wilding." So now Father Ray is debating whether or not to tell Leo, and now we have a whole fucking storyline about this shit, which is fucked up. Um, Next thing we see is that Clayton walks up to Father Ray while Father Ray is prepping for communion, and this happens. Look, Father Makata, I'm sorry for what you saw. I, uh, I overreacted. The way he said that shit was as spiteful as when you get caught kicking your younger brother or your younger sister or poking them or something like that and your parents tell you to apologize, but you don't really mean it. You don't have to apologize to me. Rebido, sure. All I want for you to know is that I know how you feel. And so the next time you want to fly off into a rage, you come talk to me. And maybe together we can... I don't know, maybe we can... Work through it. The only thing that's going to get me through it is knowing who. Who killed my dad. Unless you can help me with that, we got nothing to talk about, Father. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> this, what the fuck? <laughs> I, don't, I don't care about this part of the story. Now, where this goes, I know where it's going to go. That part is interesting. But this part, I don't fucking care about at all. Yeah, I don't care about Clayton. I don't care about Carlos. I wish they both could go away. But at least they're out the way now. So Sister Pete, after that, Sister Pete and Keller talk. And Keller is still the devil without comparison. Um, they're talking about... Packed with Schillinger. You met him at Lardner, right? Mm-hmm. How would you describe your relationship with him there? What's that thing you become when you first go into the nunnery? A postulant? Yeah, I was a postulant. He was Mother Superior. You know, I, I gotta tell you, sister, until I met you, I'd always thought nuns were a bunch of old maids that always just given up on life. How'd you know? Know what? The God had called to you. You were supposed to be a nun. I felt his love. What's the love of God feel like? You'll know when it comes. I doubt that. Don't you gotta take those vows, right? Obedience, poverty, chastity. At the end of the day, you go home and your bed is empty. It's not empty. Oh, I forgot. God's waiting there for you. 
Bride of Christ? Yes. Still, there gotta be nights when God's love feels cold. When you're lonely, when you wonder if you made the wrong decision. I have. Visiting hours, I got my ex coming. She's very beautiful. Oh, yeah, no, that's Kitty. That was Kitty. She's my first wife. I got Angelique today. How many ex-wives do you have? Yeah, three. Four if you count Bonnie. I married her twice. I was married, you know. See, you never stop amazing me. I'd like to hear more about that next time. Yeah, next time. I'm going to talk about you, okay? Look forward to it. I like being in the same room with your sister. You give good aura. So then, as he walks out, Sister Pete is like, mm, okay. Mm. And then she walks down the hallway. Huh? It's it's what it's what he said when he asked the first question he asked her is, Are you are you a shrink first or are you a nun first? She said, shrink first. So then he attacked her shrinkness. Mm-hmm. Then when he went back, he attacked her nunness. And 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 then I mean it's it's he's the, he is the king of he's the king of this he is systematically tearing apart someone who is designed or, or who is trained on how to do this for other people to their benefit mm-hmm. but he's doing this for fun mm-hmm. he, he do for fun okay um <laughs> Um, but like he's doing this for fun and it's like he has no reason to do this other than he's just getting a kick out of this exactly. and every and every time it's, it seems like he's doing this on purpose where he's setting up every single time he meets with her is right before visiting hours and right before he drops that another uh, someone else is coming to visit Yep, and this time when he walks, when she walks past the uh, visiting room area and sees Keller kissing on Angelique, she starts rubbing her neck. You know, in that way that you rub your neck in the movies, the women rub their neck, and then you know that they feel in a certain kind of way. Uh huh. The next thing that happens is that Andrew was crying and going through withdrawals, and Beecher helps him through by talking about his experiences and his experiences with drugs and with Vern. Uh, Andrew tells Beecher that he hates his father too. At this juncture, he's more like a father to him than his own dad. Now he didn't say that to him, but it's really starting to seem that way. And the consolation of him um, taking care of him while he's going through withdrawals, and it actually makes you wonder. Um, hey. It actually makes you wonder if their relationship would have turned real. Like, yeah, Beecher was using it, is using it in a way to get to Schillinger or or mess up Schillinger's mind. But how long would Beecher have been able to hold that out? Because when it's all said and done, he's still initially a good guy inside. Yes. <laughs> Withdrawal, huh? Okay. Okay, I've been there. Here's what we do. (laughs) 
talk. About? Anything. I don't know, man. You know, I went through withdrawal. I tried to figure out why I was taking drugs, why I was being so self-destructive. Yeah, and... Shot him the tattoo. Right here. He burnt it on. Then he humiliated me. Hurt me. He hurt me real bad. I gotta tell you the truth, Andrew. I hate your father. You and me ain't that different. We don't have to. You know? We don't have to take drugs. We don't have to kill ourselves to pay that cocksucker back. He doesn't deserve to have that kind of control over our lives. I was all alone when I went through withdrawal. I was like a little kid. I uh, just wanted my mother. I just wanted my mom to hug me. I miss my mom, too. I know. I know. You're gonna be all right, man. It's all gonna be all right. That's probably my scene. Yes. That, 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 that monologue right there. Like, Lee Turgenson, doesn't get enough credit for how great of an actor he is. Exactly. I'm with you there. He really, like I told you that I I think uh, me personally, this show is about Beecher to me. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's about the, 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 it's about the, the ups and downs of Beecher. Like Beecher carries this show to me. And so the very next day, uh, Andrew has a breakthrough in session. He apologized to everybody um, for the way he acted and admits that he's an addict and everybody applauds him. But Keller has a look in his face like, I think he was a little bit jealous of him. Um, Andrew sees his dad in the gym and he told him how he got clean with the help of his friends, Ryan, Toby, and Chris. And then they wrestle in front of Beecher or in front of Schillinger. Schillinger doesn't like that at all, but Beecher's loving this. Um, I got that video. Hold on one second. I was checking to see if I had it, and I did. So here we go. Hello, Dad. Andrew? You you did it. You're clean. Wow, how'd you do it? A little help from God and my friends. Yo, Vern. How you doing? Came to get some exercise. Look up a sweat. You're gonna teach me how to wrestle. That's fine. We'll just stand here and watch. Yeah, I'm gonna be right here. Get up. Get up. And then, 
And then Beecher makes it worse. You been looking for me? No. Really? I thought you'd be wanting to thank me for what I did for him. For getting your son off drugs? I mean, I did accomplish the one thing you could never do. I, I saved your boy's life. Fuck you. Burn. You need to adjust your attitude. If not, I got no reason to keep being the good friend to you that I am. Good friend? Yeah. If not for what I have done, then for what I haven't. What's that? I haven't fucked him. At least not yet. You see, because I was there for Andrew when he needed someone holding him, comforting him, I think he's developed a little bit of a crush on me. I've been tempted to at least uh, deep tongue him a couple times. <laughs> but I knew that would upset you, so I haven't. Even though... He wants me to stick my dick up his ass. And I'm afraid one of these nights, he and I alone in our pod, I'm not gonna be able to control myself. He'll be dead before you get the chance. Mmm. Well, you better hurry. Keller's getting horny, and O'Reilly's been talking about a three-way with Cyril and Andy. So then, uh, Schillinger sees Andrew in the lunchroom and he goes and he tells him he's very proud of him um, and he gives him a hug and he hopes that they can have a real relationship now. And Andrew's like, you know what? Not a chance. You told me the whites were the most supreme race, but you know what? We're all shit, including white people and you ain't shit. And I'm gonna go back and eat lunch with my friends and um, Schillinger doesn't appreciate it. Andy, I'm very proud of you. Kicking your habit like that. And I'm hoping that now you and I can maybe start to have more of a relationship. You mean get closer? Be a real father and son? Yes. Not a chance. I gotta get back to my pals. Hey, those are not the kind of men you should be hanging out with. As opposed to who? With those stand-up individuals that make up your merry little band? I gotta tell you something, Dad. My whole life crammed into my head how superior we white folks are. Well, I don't see the truth in that. Yeah, I look around this room and I see white faces and black faces, every color in between, and the only thing that I know for sure is that Shit. You know, shit don't come in degrees. I mean, white or black, shit is shit. So fuck everything you believe. And fuck everything you stamp on. Fuck you. Don't fuck me like that. Old man, you hit me way too many times growing up. And so they fight. Schillinger says that Andrew started it. Andrew gets into the hole. While Andrew's in the hole, Schillinger's like, my son is dead to me. Basically, my son is really dead. So he has a Nazi CL bring some drugs to Andrew via Vern. 
and Andrew initially throws it away, but he doesn't throw it away away because he's in the hole. Where the fuck is he going to throw it to? And so now he's stuck in the hole with the drugs and he takes them. And I guess it was a hot shot because he overdoses. Um, Vern killed his own son. And also these COs are the worst. Yes. And that's the end of the episode. Now, but we, we do see before the episode completely ends, we see that look on his face. I mean, on, you know, on Beecher's face mm-hmm. of like, and you know, he gets told like, you did it, your plan worked. And he just goes, fuck my plan worked. Yep. Because he was starting to, he sacrificed somebody's life in order yep. to torment somebody, torment somebody. And he knows how it feels to be tormented, but that was going too far for him. And, so I'm wondering and, how that's going to make him feel going forward. Um, It's really, it's, it's really um well like you said that 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 dude is a really good actor mm-hmm. um and, and like he's such a good actor like most people don't even notice he's in both of the Wayne's world movies um nope he's in the background cameraman cameraman yes and he's also oh his uh his him in season one of um what you call it or what's that uh the the TV show for that movie about killing people on the one day, The Purge. Um, he's he's in senior, season one of The Purge. In, he's in, in the TV show Weird Science. He plays Chet. Really? Mm-hmm. So That's he, where I knew him from initially. Okay. Yeah. So, like, it's, I mean, that dude, but, like, the look on his face where he is clearly, like, he is clearly hurt by this mm-hmm. um and that's just acting like that's that's all just acting in like the fact that he really he is really bothered by what he was able to do um and you know you can you can tell like that you know you wanted that revenge so bad and you you didn't you just didn't know that that revenge was going to affect you in this way because you're not built for this. You were never built for this. And it's, even though you went crazy and you thought that you were built for any of this, um, it's still it's you still have you still have some of your humanity and your humanity got your ass. It's like what um in the movie um Tombstone, which we'll get to in hindsight somewhere down the line. Where he says, where uh, Wyatt Earp says, you call down the thunder. Well, you got it. You don't know what you're getting into when you call down the thunder, but now it's coming and, and you got it. I don't think that Beecher really thought about what his plan was going to lead to, but now he's got it. And now he's going to have to deal with the results of his plan as well. Yes. So who do you think won the episode? Beecher. Okay. And that that scene, like the, the scene of him comforting him yeah and like you know that you you know they heard it they couldn't actually see it but like you know beecher in that moment became that man's father yep and like this is the this is the first chance since beecher has been there that he has he's had a chance to be a father like he you know he had that taken away from him and the idea that you know i mean we have not seen his kids come back 
But like this is his, this was his chance to actually be a father and not just see his kids for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. He, he's got to be a father of a child and help him and help a child through something. And that, that affected him more than, than even he thought it was going to affect him. Exactly. So um, thank y'all so much for listening. You can uh, hit us up on Twitter at Return to Oswald. Uh, Scar is on Twitter at Scarfinger. Brendan's on Twitter at that cool blick nerd. That's B-O-K. And I'm on Twitter at Rashani. Um, you can email us at return to Oswald at gmail.com. Please leave a review at podchaser.com. You could type in return to Oswald there. You can say you can leave reviews for certain episodes as well as the show overall. Um, if there was something in episodes you didn't like, please let us know. Um, we might listen. Yeah. Yeah. We be, um, we be listening. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, we talk back when you email us too. Um, with that said, we do want to thank y'all so much for checking us out. We greatly appreciate it. On behalf of Scar and Brandon, I'm Derek. Uh, we will holler at y'all later. Y'all be good. Peace. Peace out. Simulcast.